Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast. It's entitled The Pathway to Mastery. As many of you know, I'm a real student of success, spent the last 30 years of my life reading the best books, going to the best classes, being mentored by the best in the biz. And along the way, when I find something that really intrigues me, I go put it in practice. I see it change my life. I then have had a chance to share it to others, see it change their lives. And then I bring it to you folks. So today we're going to be covering The Pathway to Mastery, which is a best-selling book simply titled Mastery by George Leonard, a brilliant man. And it's a brilliant process, very counterintuitive to what is being pitched out today as the way to get successful or be successful. Because uh, by the very definition of mastery, it's a mysterious process during which that which is at first difficult becomes progressively easier and more pleasurable through practice. And it's not the quick fix. It has peaks and valleys and plateaus, as George calls. It's brilliant stuff. And so today... I'm going to share with you a presentation I did at what we call our Peak Experience event. Now, this is a very exclusive event. It's for our 500 most successful clients in our coaching program. This event is sold out years in advance. I've never really been able to bring any more than 500 people to this event, except today I'm able to bring a a piece of this event to all of you, and I think you're really going to like it. It's entitled The Pathway to Mastery. There's some great content. There's some great principle. There's some great quotes. I think you're going to want to listen to this several times. And if you can, if you get a chance to listen to it somewhere, we can take some notes. That'd be great. So enjoy. We're going to cover the path to mastery. How many of you read the book Mastery? Let me see your hands. How many of you read the book on the way here? Let me see your hands. (laughs) So let me tell you right now why this audience, as fabulous as it is, is not predisposed to this content. Because this content is counterintuitive to almost everything, A, I've ever taught you, everything you've been coached on, and why you're high achievers in the first place. How many of you are goal-driven? Could I see your hands? You're going to see from this event on, I'm going to continue to teach goals, but you're going to see me take a different take on goals while we're here. One of the beauties of goals is obviously it gives direction, it gives focus and whatever else, but it also leads into one little aspect, which is life in fast-forward. Life in fast-forward. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so focused on the next, I forget to be here. Once I get this, we'll do that. Once we get this, once we make this many sales, once we make that much money, once we hire this many staff, once we do this, once we do that, once we get to this, once we get to that, and everything gets into fast forward. Are you guys with me? And then that's the culture we live in. Now, on top of that, I'm predisposed to this. I am Mr. Fast Forward. I was born a certain way. My mother put me in school at three years of age, not because I was gifted. You follow me? Oh, yeah. I want him out of the house. So I went to school at three. I always lived in fast forward. Oh, by the way, I mean, my best friend, true as I'm standing here, my best friend lived 15 doors down the road from me. His name was Donnie Sheeran. And Donnie Sheeran held my 21st birthday party for me. The problem was I was 19. So because I was in school young and I'm playing all these tough games and whatever else, I was the youngest guy in the field and I was the hitter. So I always told people I was older than I was, and I always acted it, not just acted it, but lived it, and I was fast forward. And so I've lived this fast forward life for a long time. And then you come to America, and you get run over by a car, and you have all these experiences, and you're miles away from home, and hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, and that accelerates the fast forward. So I'm broke at 19, I'm a millionaire by 26. I start Buffini and Company at 28. You think about that. What the hell was I thinking? Beverly, what were we thinking? I had six kids by the time I was 34. What were we thinking? And it's very easy. And so I think this is a cultural thing. I think this is the dynamic, but I think this is how we tend to live. And goals are a gift, but goals can also live towards this whole thing of once I get there, once I get there, once I get there, once I get there, once I get there. And then it's sometimes there's major events and challenges and crises and this and the other. So what is this event designed to do? Hit the pause button. Anybody under 30? Let me talk to you. (laughs) 
we used to have these things called tape recorders. And it had a big button. And everything went. And it put a little strain on the system. Is that true? Would the tape be under duress? So even when the pause button was hit, the tape was stretched, sometimes almost to break in. We're here to hit the pause button. First thing I want you to do is sit up in your chairs nice and tall. I want to teach you how to breathe for a second. Okay? Deepak Chopra's locker is next to mine in the golf course, so I qualified to do this. <laughs> so like this, in through the nose, out through the mouth. One, two, three. That was kind of shallow. Let's try it again. All the way in, into the belly. And then we're going to hold it, and then we're going to let it go. Here you go. One, two, three. Real big one now. Real big one. One, two, three. In. Very slowly. Big, long, slow breath in. Good. It feels good, doesn't it? Just a few seconds. We'll teach you how to do more of that. But hit pause button on your life. I'm going to say this to you. We have a lot of advances in our world today, but I'm going to say this. I believe it's the most inhuman time to live. It's not inhuman in regards to there's wars and people are getting beheaded and that's going on too, but it's not like it was. And there's the plagues and a lot of the things that have plagued mankind for a long time. But I can tell you the one thing is that mankind has had for a lot of millennia is the chance to sit on a front porch, is the chance to be in community and talk, is the chance to think. And I've done some things recently to embrace, I'll talk about that today, that has helped me relearn how to think and take time to pause. And we're so busy, we're so busy and so busy. So guess what? We're going to be busy when we leave here. In fact, we're going to be real busy. But it's important that we learn how to pause. I'm going to say this. The best breakthroughs in my life have happened when I've hit the pause button. And I've told you guys stories about them. I've told you a story about going mountain climbing and doing my trips up to the Comox Valley or uh, going out to Hawaii. I talked about that a few years ago. Okay, I did that earlier this year again. So I do this stuff all the time. I hit the pause button, hit the pause button, hit the pause button. And I'm going to say this. This little weapon of mass distraction. Never has there been a time when so much distraction and so much undermine the process of mastery than it is right now. It is constant. They say right now in America that this is the number one addiction in America. It's the number one addiction. Five times harder to break than alcoholism. How many of you have kids who are into Instagram and Snapchat? They're just talking to you. Yeah, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mom just died. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I just told your car. Oh, yeah, really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great, great. I'm about to behead you. Oh, yeah, great. Let me get a picture of that. Yeah, that's great. And it's not just the kids. Nobody's getting it worse than us. And I'm getting it all the time. I get it all the time. And so, you know, it's just hard to live your life. I'm always getting interrupted. And it's just easy not to do what it is. Oh, oh, there's Mr. CEO is trying to find his way here. Okay, fine. Okay. Yep. Mom doesn't know I'm working today. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. You know, okay. The car's ready. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Nope. Oh, yeah. We are leaving Friday night. AJ's graduating. So thanks, Landon. Oh, Joe. Yeah. Joe's doing what white hats do. Great. You guys are posting while you're here for God's sake. <laughs> Afghan Bazaar is only six months away. Oh, Lou, don't tell me you did that. Kim Kardashian's butt's big. What the hell's going on here? So now let me tell you, I was very seriously considering banning phones here at this event for three days, but I can't do it. And the reason I can't do it is for, you know, if someone has an emergency or something, that happens, you know, at our events. So I'm not going to do that. And besides, laws are not nearly as powerful as the will of a person. And so here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Shut this thing off. And in the evening time, go make your calls and do your things and whatever else. But watch this. Watch yourself, how hard it is. Watch how hard it is to break of the habits. Watch how hard it is. It's hard. And if you want to take your photos and whatever else and then update Facebook and whatever else, and I do that, that's great. But watch how hard this is, boys and girls. And I'm telling you, we're going to hit the pause button and the tape is going to stretch. And here's what's going to happen. At the end of three days with limited exposure to this bad boy, you're going to find out you like it. So instead of doing it for like 
all morning and all afternoon at an event. Maybe you can do it for a half hour at a time or an hour at a time when you get back home. Everybody with me? You give it a shot, you figure out what you can do. Okay. So one of the things we're going to do throughout the course of three days is expose you to masters, people who've mastered a certain gift or talent that they have. And one such master, we're going to show you some videos of and so on and so forth, is Carlos Santana, okay? He wrote the song Black Magic Woman, and I have a magic black woman. <laughs> so this is one of my favorite songs, okay? But listen, this guy's deep. This guy's deep. This guy has achieved extraordinary levels in the music industry, far more than most people know. But listen to his philosophy on hitting the pause button. Let's take a look. Most people, they're like, they live and die, and they don't even know what was their calling. You know, I never found my calling. You know, well, maybe even take the time to push the pause button on yourself and really look at it. When you push the pause button, that's what happens to you. Because you see the big picture and you see what you're supposed to do with your energy to affect life people in the planet in a grand way. Everyone has Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, Einstein, Stravinsky in them, her or him. Is that true? Is it? So what's your Charlie Parker, Einstein or Stravinsky? We have to hit the pause button, and then we want to find out this, this talent. I mean, you've been at the events before. How many times have you ever seen me ask an audience, how many of you have hidden talent? And everybody raise a hand. If I was to ask you guys, the growth seekers, how many of you have untapped potential? Okay, so what this is, is this thing called genius. But it's bringing out the gift from within. That's what this is, bringing out the gift from within. And that is what the whole concept of mastery is about. It's bringing out the gift from within. How many of you would like your gifts from within to come to the outside? Could I see your hands? Talking about mastery, not for the sake of being considered a master and stroking your ego, I'm a master. But it's the process of understanding that mastery is about bringing your inner genius, your gifts, to the outside. The heritage profile, how many of you have had a heritage profile? The forerunner of the heritage profile was called an ingenious that was the science we started with and then built it into something more. It's the genius inside people to want to bring it out. And mastery is the way to get there. If you want this talent to come out, you want this inner Stravinsky to come out, and it's there, you've seen flashes of it, you've seen signs of it, you've had moments of it, you've had seasons of it, but you want to live in that more and more, then mastery is the way to get there. Is everybody with me, yes or no? Does everybody understand why we're covering this topic? It's to bring that out. Here's what mastery is. Fill in your blanks. Let's go. It's the mysterious process. Mysterious. Say mysterious. Mysterious. Which means it's not fully logical. It's the mysterious process during which what is first difficult becomes progressively easier and more pleasurable through practice. That mysterious process, that which is difficult at first, becomes progressively easier and more pleasurable through practice through practice. This is how to make the hard easy. And the hard is something really good. Okay? We're witnessing it right now. We're witnessing. Anybody here Golden State Warrior fan? Anybody watch this the other night? My kids, we're on a mission as a family to get exposed to mastery and genius. The night after Mastermind, we're going to Adele. Okay? I want to see what it looks like. She may be the best singer at this time. I want my kids exposed to that. I want to get exposed to it myself. We went to see Kobe's last hurrah. Want to see what it looks like when inner genius comes out. Every time we get a chance to go do this. And one of the things we do right now is anytime Steph Curry's playing, we sit down as a family and watch a game. And we watched him the other night. Injured, not doing well, and whatever else. And then all of a sudden hits, boom. Does this little dribble where everybody kind of falls down. <laughs> knocks in a two-pointer and then goes bananas. And it's just... You know you're watching something almost supernatural until such time. You know what they've done with the Golden State Warriors? They're the only basketball team in the NBA that opens up to practice. Two hours before the game, you get to come in and watch Steph Curry practice. And guess what he doesn't practice? And the peanut guys fall down. (laughs) That which is difficult becomes easy. That which is challenging becomes pleasurable. So what is mastery? Let's go through it real quick. First of all, it's a journey. It's a journey. 
George Lonard himself, in the book Mastery, said this, Mastery is a journey, and the master must have the courage to risk failure. Say courage. Courage. Say risk. You got to be willing to risk. You got to be willing to look bad. You got to be willing to receive judgment from others who don't understand mastery. And oh, by the way, most people in this culture don't understand mastery. They understand quick fixes. Mastery is a lifelong commitment to honing your skills. A lifelong commitment to honing your skills. Lifelong commitment to honing your skills. Michelangelo, to the Italians, we know him as Buonarotti. He said, if people knew how hard I had to work to gain my mastery, it would not seem so wonderful at all. People ask me, oh, Brian, I want to be a speaker. I want to be a speaker. I want to do what you do. I just want to do what you do. Really? You want to stay in every crappy end that's ever been created? You want to stand in front of an audience that thinks you're nothing but a schleppy salesman who's going to empty their wallet? You want to do that for decades? Come on in. The Astro Van is waiting. My kids are going to a volleyball tournament, and uh, they've qualified for the Junior Olympics. Irish jeans coursing through the veins. So they booked this hotel, and the team's in this crappy hotel. And I'm like, girls, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to be three miles away. And the girls are like, Dad, why don't you stay in a bad hotel? I go, not anymore. That was the path to mastery, not the current state of mastery. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Next, mastery is realizing that the ultimate goal is the path to mastery itself. And this is going to sound extremely zen to a Western audience, but the path is it. George Leonard said this, at the heart of it, listen, mastery is staying on the path. At the heart of it, mastery is staying on the path. Staying on the path. Sounds about as boring as there is. Would you guys agree? Sounds about as unsexy as it is. Sounds about as unfulfilling as it can be. You know, recently, in a number of areas of my life, I've been having these breakthroughs. For example, in speaking. I've been doing this for 24, 25 years. And I've just kind of, like in the last 90 days, I kind of just figured it out. Uh, ooh, and I see how much better I can get and how much more I can impact people and how much more I can reach folks and how I can give them more to take away from it. I just like, boom, like just, just now. Let me tell you, I don't know that I would have stayed on the path to the same degree with the same intensity if it hadn't been for that nasty recession. Because that nasty recession, you know, took everything but the kitchen sink from everyone in my client base and took a lot of my kitchen sinks as well. And it forced me to go back on the road and grind it out again and talk to people who really wanted it and couldn't do anything with it. But it forced me to stay on the what? Stay on the path. Oh, by the way, same for you. Same for you. Is that true? Uh, You know, the distractions and marvels. That's why when realtors have money, they're dangerous. (laughs) Things are going good. Ah, beep, beep, beep. Coaching staff, get down, get down. (laughs) Okay, they're they're about to get over the wall. (laughs) Okay. Staying on the path is mastery itself. That's very un-American. Would you guys agree? Practicing even when you seem to be getting nowhere. Practicing even when you seem to be getting nowhere is mastery. Practicing when you seem to be getting nowhere. You know the difference between a master and a beginner? The master has failed more times than the beginner has ever tried. The master has failed more times than the beginner has ever tried. Mastery is counterintuitive. It is counterintuitive, which means it's not your first instinct or your first reaction. This is another great quote. It says, the only way out is through. That's counterintuitive. The only way out is through. And that's what mastery is all about. The culture is at war with mastery. I've been saying this stuff for a long time, and I've talked about culture for a long time, but I think it's pretty obvious today You know, you go through and scroll through your television channels any night. It's like, wow, it is hard. Would you guys agree? And even though you have programs you like and things in this, and there's things that are, you know, titillating or this and that and the other show that grabs your attention for a short period of time. But just the culture is at war and the social media is at war and the phone is at war. 
It's at war with this process because it's all quick fixes and so on and so forth. So marketing culture tends to communicate quick fixes and instant gratification. And again, you can see why there's no way I could teach this stuff at a success tour. People would be walking out. And that's okay. It's okay. And listen to me. Don't become arrogant in your knowledge. Don't become, oh, I have this guy at the office. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the path to mastery. You know why? Because he's trying to make his mortgage payment next month. And that's why it's very important as you grow that you grow in your compassion. Okay? You really want to be a master, you're going to grow in compassion. You're not going to judge people or ridicule people. You have a greater depth of understanding, but you'll also know how long the journey takes. Okay? Here's an area of, you know, weight loss is a great example of what the culture says and how it says and the way all the mixed messages are. Let's take a look at this one. It's kind of funny. This could be you. The future of weight loss is here. I can eat the foods that I enjoy and I'm never hungry. Have it your way. 48-hour miracle diet. Six grams of fat or less. Then you dip it in. Then you lift it up. Then you pop it down. Not another magic pill. The foods weigh together. They have really yummy food. That'll make it easy for you. <laughs> okay? That's just one area. Think about it in all five areas. Spiritually. You know, the modern American church is becoming a quick fix organization. Come in here, you get all that. Da, 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 da. Like, eh. <laughs> There's a lot of work to be done here in the spiritual realm. Okay? There's a lot of work to be done in the financial realm. There's a get rich quick. In the business realm, does it take a while to build a business? Yes or no? Does it take a while to make a sale? No. Is there a difference between generating a lead and having a business? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So every area. What about health? Fitness? Weight loss itself, okay? One of the reasons for it is we're living in a Western culture, and a Western culture by its very nature is linear. So that's how we think it's supposed to go, okay? It's just linear. It's supposed to start at the left, and it's supposed to go up. And anything that doesn't do that is a problem, or it's reported on by the hour of the day, right? So it communicates that being linear or instantaneous. It's not linear, and it's not instantaneous, Oh, by the way, I'm a rapid person. Is this fun for me to say? Do you think this stuff was fun to discover? I'm a rapid person who was put away in school at three. I want it now. I want to go. I want to fast. And so here's what I found. And this is great. How many of you are kind of rapid and the world moves a little too slow for you? Let me see your hands nice and high. See how quick those hands went up? Here's the word for you. Listen. If you want to go fast, you got to slow down. If you want to go fast, you got to slow down. If you want to go fast, you got to slow down. It's the same with business. It's the same with business. Buffini and companies growing, I'm reaching more people. Great opportunities for the future, many different applications. And one of the things we have to do constantly is slow it down from a standpoint of the strategy and the planning and the process. You guys with me? Anti-mastery behavior. Here it is. Identify these things, and we're going to get close to home before we leave here. Eye on the prize. That's the behavior where the eye is only on the prize. Underline the word only. Is it okay to have the eye on the prize, yes or no? Is it? Of course it is. Of course it is. When you have only eye on the prize, here's what happens. Results are everything. Results are everything. And I'm going to say this to you. On the path to mastery, results are not everything. The process is everything. Sometimes my staff looks at me sideways. I will ride my staff, ride them like Zorro, if the effort and the attention is not there. We had an event here recently where the results were very contrary to what we normally experience. And I lined up the staff and we had a phenomenal celebration because the effort was exceptional. 100% success for me. Are you guys hearing me, yes or no? And they're looking at me like, hmm? The effort and the energy and the process and the attention to detail was extraordinary. What a great win. Okay, so results didn't come today, fine. Let's keep chipping away. Next, the quick fix mentality, which is gimmicks and gadgets. Gimmicks and gadgets. I want to talk about tech today, but I'm going to say this to you. Uh, Gimmicks and gadgets are where the tech world lives. 
and shiny object syndrome is alive and well, and even those who think they are talking against it are actually communicating for it. And gimmicks and gadgets are everything today because there's so many cool ones. There's so many cool ones, okay? But I'm going to show you what happens here in a minute. And then instant gratification. You can have it all, and you can have it all when? Say it again. You can have things now, but the good stuff takes a while, okay? You can microwave your potatoes, or you can bake them over time, okay? You can microwave that chicken pot pie, or you can bake it. Okay, pitfalls along the path. Let's point out what we're going to face along the way in ourselves and outside of ourselves. So first, obsessive goal orientation, okay? I know this is hard because you're like the guy who had me write goals. And I want you to pursue your goals. And we're going to talk about this, but this is next level content. And any great profound truth will have in it a sense of contradiction. Any profound truth will have in it a sense of contradiction. Always. Are goals good things? What am I talking about? What's the problem? What's the pitfall? Obsessive. Here's what obsession is. An image, thought, or influence which continually fills or troubles the mind. A compulsive interest or preoccupation seemingly beyond one's will to control. We'll talk about that. Next, poor instruction. Poor instruction. You've got to get good instruction. We all do. I love this for our coaching staff. A poor teacher complains. An average teacher explains. A good teacher teaches. A great teacher inspires. That's what we want. That's why it's hard to work up a feeding company. It's hard. Those people do a hard job. Next, laziness. Even totally obsessive, preoccupied people can become lazy in an area that's not a strength. And in our world today, it's easier to be lazy than ever before. And by the way, a lot of the stuff we're involved with today and a lot of the innovations today facilitate laziness. I want to talk about that. Next, prizes and medals. Prizes and medals. The rewards of life are fantastic. But what happens is when we obsess on the prize, when we obsess on the accomplishment, when we obsess on the outcome, here's what happens. There's an interview done with Brett Favre. Any Green Bay Packer fans? This is the picture of Brett when he was on the stage with Terry Bradshaw. That is the Super Bowl trophy being presented to him. The confetti's coming down. And here's what he said. Terry Bradshaw hands him the trophy, he looks at it, and he is filled from the top of his head to the soles of his feet with a sense of emptiness. And he goes, it was the worst feeling I'd ever had. Now, this is a guy that never missed a football game in 300 games. Now, how do you do that? You take painkillers. He became addicted to painkillers. He set and has an NFL record for no one will ever break, 297 consecutive games. Phenomenal guy, loved the game, joy of the game, but was obsessed with winning that prize. Look at the picture of him on stage next to Reggie White. And the question that kept coming onto his mind was this, is that it? Is that it? Is that it? Not uncommon. David Duval, obsessed, number one golfer in the world. Won the British Open. Never heard from since. Is that it? Bernhard Langer. Bernhard Langer won the 1985 Masters put the jacket on Jack Nicholas the following year. He's driving home from Augusta with the green jacket on, and he is tortured with this sense of emptiness. In fact, led to a major spiritual transformation in his life. He was so empty. Is this all confusing? Is it good to achieve, yes or no? Is it good to have goals? Are prizes fun? Do you guys like winning? Does the good life cost money? Okay. But if it becomes your all in all, you'll find out that it's the emptiest of all time. And there's never enough of it to fill the void. Are you guys hearing me? So mastery is not that. In fact, what many of you are going to find out at the end of three days, you're much closer to the path of mastery than you think you are. It's just you have a feeling and an expectation that is different. It's different by the culture standards. It's different by what you think success is. It's different by what you think significance is or how it's supposed to look or feel. Are you guys with me? The next one, vanity. This is the external validation. There's always someone with a bigger jet, just so you know. Okay? One of my favorite quotes from an English Puritan. 
from the 1600s. He says, none are so empty as those who are full of themselves. <laughs> By the way, are there people who are full of themselves in the real estate and lending business? Yes or no? Oh my gosh. Does vanity have a permanent stake in our real estate industry? So how do I promote myself without being vain? Next, inconsistency. Inconsistency. Excellence is the result of always striving to do better, says Pat Riley. He knows a little bit about excellence. Here's the thing. What's the path to mastery actually look like? You know, there's gaps. There's times when you stop. Have you ever gone backwards? Have you ever stopped? You know what great success is? Is here's what the gap was. And then you get back on the horse. And now this gap's smaller. The way you get good at golf is you improve the quality of your bad shots. You can't improve the quality of your good shots. Your good shot's going four feet from the hole and making a birdie. So you hit it three feet from the hole and you still make a birdie. It doesn't make any difference. What happens when you get good at golf is your miss becomes less. So you hit a big miss, it goes out of bounds. Now you have a little miss, it's in the rough. Does that make sense? It's different between shooting 85 and 75. And that's what happens on the path to mastery. And that happens with consistency. The last thing here is perfectionism. Perfectionism does not have anything to do with mastery. Because mastery enjoys the process of getting better. And perfectionism, listen, is the mother of procrastination. Why are we so into perfectionism in our culture today? What's the fear? Judgment. Oh, by the way, do people make judgments today? More than ever? Because now they can pass judgment anonymously behind a computer screen. Is that true? Some of the comments, I find it all amusing, just so you know, but some of the comments that people have, like I have a very, very good community. We have 80,000 people on Facebook, and when they've done all the analysis, they're just like, man, this is an amazing community of people. But a couple of characters have gotten in there. And some of the comments they have is like, what? Wow. And so they'll look at a picture, and they'll make a judgment. They look at a picture, and they say, this is what's going on. And that's... Maybe not necessarily the case. You know, like the other day, there was a football player killed, and all these guys came out with all these tweets instantaneously and condemning this and doing that and doing this and saying this and saying that, yada, yada, and it ran on and ran on and gun violence and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
I'll go first. I'll be the first transparent one in the room. So let me tell you how this odd little world I've kind of created for myself and sometimes didn't create for myself. So for about 15 years, based on the number of work days in my year, every day I worked for about 15 years, here was the number. That's what I had to earn a day for the company. Okay? Now, you guys have a number, by the way, and you should have a number associated to your name for your business. It might be three grand or whatever else that number is. But you should have a number ascribed to how many days do I work a year, how much do I need to bring in for my efforts. If you have a team, then their efforts are different. And obviously, I have a big team at Buffini Company, so they bring in whatever. But for about 15 years, the number ascribed to my head was I got to go earn 100 grand a day. So... What happens is, in the norm of course of life, these different decisions come up. So watch this. I'm going to walk you through this. So many of you need to get to this place first, and then I want to walk you through the other side. So first of all, how many of you think it's a good idea if you had a number ascribed to your workday that how much you know you need to make each day? Let me see your hands. By the way, would it cut out some of the crap? Would time wasting with people who are time wasters all of a sudden become very expensive? Yes or no? So when I have people who want to hog a day or do this or do that or do whatever else, what's it costing me? It's 100 grand. Is this worth 100 grand? Now, watch. You have to watch here because I might be a little further down the road than some. So watch the stages of this. Don't get caught up in the end. This is the first place to get to. You need to get to that. You need to have a number ascribed to your day so you know what your day is worth. If that makes sense, say aye. The second thing is you make decisions based on it. I have short meetings. Okay? You better have an agenda for a meeting. That has to be a purpose. I don't return people's phone calls. My assistant will ask, what's it regarding? If there is not a detailed description of what it's regarding, that phone call never happens. Are you guys with me, yes or no? Why? Because I'm not going to spend 10 grand with some junker on the phone who wants to sell me something. Are you guys hearing me, yes or no? So this is how it works. And it's okay, it's good. So one is you have a number for your day. Number two, it helps you make decisions. Now, here's what number three is. And this is where I want to help you because this is a recent discovery for me. What this did over time is it created a pattern where I lost some of what I needed to keep for mastery. So here's what happened. Well, if it's a hundred grand that I need to earn every single day, I can't be cutting my own grass. Would you guys agree with that? If it's a hundred grand, it's real expensive for me to go run to the dry cleaner. If it's a hundred grand for a day, it's real expensive for me to go and sit in the jiffy lube and get my car done. So what happened is more and more and more, and the organization more and more and more facilitated more and more of the things I did. So it had been 20 years since I painted. Not like artistic, like the good stuff. <laughs> so we move into the house. And we got stuff going on. We've got, I mean, teams of people every day replacing the hardwood floors. And we took out 20 trees. And we got this going on. And we got that going on. And the water filtration system. And the this. And the that. And the da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay? We are a village. And so all this stuff. But Bev's office needed to get painted. And I went, I'm going to do it. Now, so you know, I've had this for 15 years in my mind. And I go, okay, it's going to cost me 100 grand to paint Bev's office. But I'm at the stage in life where I go, it's worth that. So I go to do it. Buy the overalls, head down to Don Edwards, get all my gear. I'm there. I'm talking with the painters. I'm like loving it. I'm talking to the guy, connecting, whatever else. I get the gear and I come on home. And I start painting and doing my thing. By the way, the kids were such shock. They were taking secret photographs of me because like something's come over our father. We heard about this back in Ireland. Now, let me walk you through this little process here. So I'm initially excited. So tell me if this doesn't describe everything you go in life. I'm excited. I get the new gear. I get all fired up. I do all the patchwork. I'm explaining now, kids, how you doing? Here's how you fix the holes. And here's how you scrape the things. And I'm complaining about the previous paint job and the whole thing. And yada, yada. There's overspray. See, these were amateurs with overspray. I'm doing the whole thing. And so I paint the room. And I come back the next morning. And it didn't cover because the previous jackasses didn't prime the walls. I crap, I got to do this again. So now I get the roller and I whip this sucker out and I knock it out. And then the girls come to me, dad, we've always wanted to have a teal room. Would you paint our bedroom, daddy? 
I'm like, okay, it's cheaper than a Lamborghini, which is what Alicia wants. So fine. <laughs> so now I do it now. So here we go. Now, when I started painting the second room, all of a sudden I'm like, what the hell? Oh, geez, this thing. Oh my God, this thing's not cut in. They didn't paste it. Now all of a sudden there is no um going on at all. And so, now are you with me? So have you ever started something new? You had a real excitement about it, like working out or doing some new activity? And you got all the gear and you did all the thing and you felt the sense of accomplishment. And then you go, oh man, this is really work. And then this isn't that much fun. And here's what happened. And they picked the worst color in North America. And so I got to go over again and again and again. And then the boys are like, hey dad, we'd like to get the charger baby blue. You know, could you do the charger blue? So here we go. And now this is going on. And that was going. And then Anna comes up with horseback purple. So horseback purple appeared. And, and now this thing starts to build a life of its own. Then I get a phone call from AJ's in-laws. Hey, we just moved into a brand new office and we heard your back painting. Could you help out this weekend? The one weekend I have off all freaking year. My son's in-laws, not my in-laws, his freaking problem. Now, I want you to watch this journey here. <laughs> Let me tell you this. This is going to be an awesome peak experience because I went back into doing something that I delegated out because of the efficiency of my day. But what I re-engaged with is something, A, something I had competency in the past, something that took a lot of time, something that requires me to absolutely think. One of the things I loved about doing that stuff was the thinking time and the processing time. And what I didn't understand is I, I made a lot of money painting the last month, thinking about things for the next 10 years. I got to embrace it. I got to enjoy it. I got to the point now where I have you know, staff at home and staff at work and contractors. They won't let me lift stuff because everybody's so preconditioned to it all. But by going into that, whether it's for you, it's gardening or a little house painting or crocheting or whatever it is or reading a book or whatever it is that you do that elicits that sense of mastery. And here's the thing. You know what? I still had the goods with the painting and I still had a few things to kind of brush up on and kind of rust the dust off and got into it. And I totally am into it. And now, you know, I did three rooms this weekend. Okay. I'm going to buy another house just so I can do because I'm able to get there. I'm able to get there. So it's become an activity that forces me to hit the pause button. And I can do it in a little thing. So I just knocked out a little bathroom the other night. Okay? <laughs> Took me an hour. I got skills. <laughs> but it was a great hour. And no, I'm not available for bid. So maybe you can find something for you. So watch this. This is a great thing to do to get the number of your day so you can make better decisions about your day. You with me, yes or no? over time, you'll find out that sometimes those things will take you away from those activities that we physically need to do that allow us to just kind of decompress and go there, whatever that is for you. How many of you know you have something like that? Could I see your hands? Okay. How many of you need to remember and find something like that? Let me see your hands. Great. Whatever it is. Next. Most time spent on a plateau. Most time at a particular level is spent on a plateau. That's the key. This is the largest amount of time. That's tough for achievers. That's why most people quit. That's why most people are like Roman candles in our system. They get in, they burn hot, and then they disappear. Bruce Lee. I never understood. My wife liked Irish movies and Bruce Lee when I met her. I'm not sure what to make of that. But there are no limits, Bruce said. There's, there's only plateaus. You must not stay there. You must go beyond them. But ultimately, it's a series of plateaus. And this is every master that I've ever studied or read. This pattern exists. The reason why George Leonard's book has been so enduring is because it's true. You're going to spend more time here than you will here. What do people want? Spiritually. Guy awakens spiritually. And all he wants is this high moment. And I want to keep finding that high moment. It doesn't happen. People get involved in relationships. They first, oh, this is so amazing. It's so amazing. We just finished each other's sentences. We're so amazing. Okay? And then people think relationship is staying on this peak of that. I'm going to say this. I embarrass my wife right now. Our relationship is absolutely the greatest it's ever been. We are just funny together. 
and we laugh and we enjoy each other more than we ever have in our whole relationship. And we've been at it 26 years. Here's the thing. It's followed the same path. At least I have. Sometimes I'm sentenced to the plateau. You stay there. But here's the way it works. This plateau is higher than that peak. This plateau is higher than that peak. This plateau is a lot higher than when you started. And that's the perspective. Plateaus don't feel great. They don't feel like you're making progress. If you look at it, how many times have you seen one of our client stories? Okay, they went from 5 million to 12. And then from 12 to 13. And from 13 to 19. And from 19 to 24. And from 24 to 20. I tell these stories all the time at the success tour. And some people are like, huh? Because these are plateaus. This is a plateau here. Plateaus are good things. They allow you to catch up. They allow you to deal with the growth. They allow you to put your systems in place. They allow you to improve your customer service. They allow you to do some things. They allow you to catch your breath. It allows you to not give up the gains you made over here. It's essential that you have a plateau. That which is quickly learned is quickly lost. Lack of movement causes frustration. Would you guys agree with that statement? How many of you have ever heard me or Zig Ziglar talk about the Japanese bamboo tree? How many of you have ever heard of that, right? And it sounds great from a seminar. So what's the story of the Japanese bamboo tree? Help me out. You plant it, you water it, you fertilize it, or just it's planted in the rainforest. And for five years, what happens? All the growth is not visible. All the growth is not visible. What's a Japanese bamboo tree doing for five years? It's building a foundation. Some people are naturally designed to things to happen fast. That doesn't mean they're smarter or get it. By the way, it doesn't mean that they get it deeper. Some people, it takes a while to get things. And when they get it, they get it at a deeper level. Let me say this to you. The path to mastery looks like a Japanese bamboo tree. And it can be frustrating. And you've got to stay on the path and stay on the path and stay on the path. I'm going to show you this is not a seminar speaker's tool. This is a time-lapse video in 24-hour increments of a Japanese bamboo tree over 30 days. Take a look. Five years, no growth, then this. huge wakes another forest inhabitant. This one is particularly astounding in its vigor. It can grow up to a meter a day fast overtaking the other plants around it. The taller it grows, the faster its growth rate, so that in a matter of days it towers above the undergrowth and continues reaching for the sky. Not bad for what is essentially a grass. It's bamboo. It's real. And it doesn't show any signs of progress for five years. Not very American. So the bottom line is, you have to understand that for many of you, you are a Japanese bamboo tree. And you have to stay on the path and keep chipping and keep growing and keep chipping and keep growing and keep chipping and keep growing. And yes, there's things to learn. And yes, you can make small adjustments along the way. But at the end of the day, stay on the path, stay on the path, stay on the path. After a big improvement, here's the best news, you get worse. After a big improvement, you get worse. Buffini and Company, Dermot is doing a superb job leading the organization, superb, and has built a superb team of leaders and is doing a superb job. What's happened is we've had seasons of growth, and then all of a sudden, geez, the phone system's not working that great. Man, We've promoted a bunch of these customer service folks into these different positions because they've been with us so long, and now the new customer service folks don't quite have it. And while we're growing, and all of a sudden it's taken this long to answer the phone, and this is what we're doing, and this, yeah. And in the meantime, we'll have our, sometimes our coaches or sometimes our clients, wait, 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 wait. Great. It's part of the deal. Part of the deal. As you grow, now, here's the thing. What's the difference in a good company and a bad company? It's your intention to go improve this. Does that make sense? When there's a mistake, it's your motivation to go make it right. 
when you get the feedback and it's more than one person, it's like, boom, we got a problem. Let's go to work. Does that make sense? And they help you get to what? The next plateau. Everybody with me? George Leonard said this, we're in our upbringing, our schooling, our career, are we explicitly taught to value and enjoy and love the plateaus? The long stretch of diligent effort with no seeming progress. Where in the world are we encouraged to do that? Here it is. In hindsight, the plateaus were all peaks. That's the truth of it. The plateaus were all peaks. Is this the first time I've ever covered this content? See, you know me by now, so you don't know how to answer the question. (laughs) Is this the first time I've covered this stuff? Caterpillar, pupae, chrysalis, butterfly, and each step along the way is a life and death struggle. It's challenging. It's difficult. It's up. It's down. It's in. It's out. This is what we've been talking about all along, boys and girls. Okay? This is what we've been talking about all along. Here's the downside. Trying to escape the plateau could create a restless life full of distractions or self-destruction. Restless life full of distractions and self-destruction. Most destruction is self-destruction. Okay. So now it's going to get a little personal. We're going to get a little close to home. Big deep breath in. Blow it out. In order to get better, sometimes we've got to stretch and grow, and the tape's going to stretch a little bit. I'm going to call us all out together, and I'm going to give the three tendencies that people have to undermine mastery. And I want you to decide which one is number one most like you, second most like you, and third like you. The first is called the dabbler. The dabbler. The jack of all trades, master of none. Here's the deal with the dabbler. The dabbler tries many things, gets improvement, plateaus, and gets bored. Then tries something new. The dabbler tries many things, gets improvement, plateaus, gets bored, and then tries something new. Honestly, anybody here fit into that category? Can I see your hands? Okay, what is the challenge with that? You want to write this down. It leaves this impression in your mind that I don't have what it takes. It's fun. It's exciting to start something new. It's fun to try this. It's okay, I got bored. You know, this isn't really my thing. And then all of a sudden it's, You do this enough, and that small voice inside you says, I don't have what it takes. And there isn't an army in the world that can take that fortress if that wall is built up. Next, the obsessive. Full throttle until the engine crashes. (laughs) Hey, come on, baby. Any obsessives in the room? Let me see those hands go up quick. Come on. The obsessive is purely results-oriented. Inconsistent when they hit a plateau. They quit because the results aren't increasing linearly. The obsessive is purely results-oriented. They are inconsistent when they hit a plateau. They quit because the results aren't increasing linearly. So they get in, they get it going, yada da 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 Okay? What happens there psychologically when that's somebody's pattern? What do they come to believe? If the dabbler says, I don't have what it takes, what does the obsessive ultimately believe? I'm a quitter. I'm a quitter. Is it true? Nope, it's not. These are tendencies. The last is called the hacker. And the hacker gets kind of stuck on easy street. The hacker's content where they're at. They get good, and then they don't care to continue improving. The hacker gets good, and then doesn't care to continue improving. Here's a couple things real quick, boys and girls. Steph Curry is the first person to win unanimously the MVP of the NBA. Here's the problem. They have a problem right now at the NBA. Um, They're having to reconfigure this and make it a different choice. He's also won the votes for the most improved player. Listen to me. He was the MVP of the league last year. And they're saying he's the most improved player. He was the best in the entire NBA. The best of the best. And they're saying he's the most improved player. That's what mastery is all about. What does the hacker do? When they get good and then stop because they don't really want to continue improving, what psychologically do they come to the conclusion of? They come to this conclusion. I'm nothing special. I'm nothing special. All of those things can be retrained. All of those things can be rebooted, but all of those things are dangerous. Okay? Here's what I want you to do. Put a one next to the one that's most like you. Put a two next to the one that's like you. And the third that's, eh, sometimes. 
And just so you know, if I can help you, I've been all three. I've been all three. And I have tendencies to go back to all three. Okay? Itzek Perlman. Anybody know Itzek Perlman? Okay? Again, one of the things I'm going to expose myself and the kids to over the course of the next year, our commitment is every time there's someone who is a master in anything, whether it be chess, whether it be basketball, whether it be tennis, whether it be golf, whether it be music, whether it be art, we're going to go check it out. Because it's amazing what happens when you hang out with and experience the masters. Would you guys agree? And so Itzek Perlman, he's uh, considered the greatest concert violinist in the world. And I was watching something on him the other day, and this is the kind of obtuse stuff I get into. But he was asked, he was doing a little uh, Q&A in his home. And people were just sending him in questions, and he videoed it. And I'm going to show you a video of him on his concept of practicing. And I want you to listen to the genius talking about the small. And then we're going to spend a couple of minutes. I'm actually going to test you as a group. Throughout this event, I'm going to test you to pause, breathe, and experience mastery. Don't be in a hurry. Remember the breathing exercise we did at the beginning? We're going to show a little video interview of Itzhak. And then when he's performing with the orchestra, I want you to breathe and drink in mastery. Let's take a look. This is uh, by Amir Fathi. He says, I'm a violinist and I have sometimes a little problem of accuracy. What is your advice about that? Do you have absolute pitch and is that necessary for being a grand soloist? Thank you. Well, I don't think that uh, having perfect pitch is necessary to being a grand soloist. It's not. It's helpful on some level, but it's not totally necessary. As far as your problem with accuracy, I would say that repetition is really very important because what you want to do is you want to remember the distance between one place on the fingerboard and another. And if something is not accurate, just keep repeating it. But you've got to do it slowly. Just remember, and everybody that listens to me here should remember, I always say practice slowly. And the reason that I say practice slowly is that there is a rule. If you learn something slowly, you forget it slowly. In other words, you don't forget it very quickly. If you learn something very quickly, you forget it immediately also. Because the brain has to have time to absorb. So the slower we do it, the better it is. So I hope that that's helpful. And as far as your accuracy, just repetition over and over again. But try to do it in very small increments. Do it one bar at a time, two bars at a time. Okay? Good. hope you enjoyed today's podcast uh, don't forget to share it with your friends you know our mission is to impact and positively influence as many folks as we can our podcast is over 250,000 downloads in over 110 countries by now and yet it's only a few months old and that's directly attributable to all of you who've been listening who find value in it 
who share it with your friends. And we want to continue to do that. So it's a fantastic way to bring messages of encouragement, training, some common sense in a practical way to people all over the planet. So thanks for doing that. Keep sharing it. If you have a review, leave it on iTunes. That's a, a great thing also. And if you're not on iTunes, you can go to the Google Play apps on Stitcher or Podbean and leave a review for us there. We love hearing from you, actually. And our goal is to take on board what you say and what you hear, what you like, and uh, give you more of what you like. So as I finish here today, I want to leave you with a little Irish blessing that my grandfather always said. Now, I've said this many times, and I don't know if I'm on a peak or a plateau with this quote, but my goal now would be in the development of my own mastery to see if I, I want you to feel like I'm just talking to you individually right this second. So may the roads rise up to meet you is about having a bit of good luck. And may the wind always be at your back means will you have some momentum and some progress. May the rain fall soft upon your fields. Well, that's all about prosperity and blessing. And the sunshine warm upon your face means there'll be a bit of joy as you go through life. And until we meet again, which I hope we do sometime, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time. 